This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! Post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it, hard deflection, and it's a goal! Comes to Mitchell, it's another goal! Incredible hobble! Mystic podcasters in the muddy weeds as a plan A works again as Town record an impressive and comfortable victory away at Port Vale. Here to sip the victorious delights of the weekend was my man on the ground or in the ground, Connor. Hello, Connor. Hello, Rich. How's it going? Oh, so, so well. And so happy after what I thought was an unlikely win, but turned out nothing to worry about. It was a weird one. It's like one where probably... Going up to Burslem on Saturday, if you'd have offered me a point going up there, I'd have been very, very happy indeed. Uh, so, yeah, the fact that we've kind of come away with three points and a very complete performance, uh, you really cannot ask for a lot more than that. I'm very, very happy. Yes, as am I. But first, stunning scenes as a satisfied <laughs> Connor Garrett started his weekend by enjoying and shortly afterwards sharing said enjoyment of an early morning homemade breakfast on social media, the rest, shall we say, did not go to plan. Connor, are you okay? I am okay. Uh, I'm a bit bemused at the thought that <laughs> people are disgusted by my breakfast. It was a very tasty breakfast. I don't think it looked like looked that bad. Uh, you know, presentation, not my strong point as a chef. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't need to be when you're, you're having a sausage, some uh, vegetables uh, and a bit of toast and some eggs. It, you know, it, it was just doing the job. It was uh, filling me up ahead of a big day out. And uh, that's what it did. Uh, and then uh, the re- the response to it was so bad that I had to delete the tweet while I was on the way to Swindon because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to spend the whole coach ride defending my breakfast, um, which was, let me repeat, not burnt and delicious. Um, but yeah, honestly, uh I think uh, it's the kind of meal like a it was it wasn't a full English, but when you're kind of going into that kind of of um, direction with what you're eating, it seems to provoke very very um, strident responses. Uh, and I probably should have known better, but to, than to share it because uh, you're just opening yourself up for a world of abuse, even when you do a good job. So I'm I consider I'm considering myself told I'm not I'm not doing that again. 
Yeah, well, freelance football writer Lars Pullman says I'd have that every day of the week. So, you know, for every message of derision, you got one supporter, which was good. I got another one from someone who was on Locked, but so they didn't they didn't trust their opinion so much they would come off Locked to support me, but <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, but you know, we go again next week. I'll try and have um, maybe cereal or something so people can't accuse me of burning um, my uh, nutritious start to the day. How do you think social media reacts more passionately? Um, conspiracy theories or aesthetically good looking food? Um, I think, to be honest, with food, most of the time you don't get much of a a strong response. It does seem to be kind of something along the lines of a full English. Like I said, I didn't eat one on on Saturday, but, you know, a lot of the components were there on the plate. Um, Or, you know, maybe if you do something slightly weird with a roast, where if you, like, I don't know, have some rice or something on the side, or, I don't know, a banana. Um, That seems, when you kind of, like, take a staple and just kind of even mess it up, um, or do something a bit weird with it. That seems to evoke very strong responses. But um, yeah, definitely, you can't go down the wormhole quite so much uh, when there's a few grilled mushrooms and beans on a plate or something like that. <laughs> so uh... <laughs> live your life. Okay, then, Swindon Town at Port Vale. Uh, the Swindon lineup was Ward in goal, wingbacks of Hunt and Iandolo, O'Brien. Conroy and Odomeo at the back. Read just in front of them with Williams and Gladwin taking the other midfield places. Up front was the pairing of Tyree Simpson and Harry McCurdy, who was returning to Vale Park for the first time since his release, his release from Port Vale last summer. So there was one change from the Mansfield loss, which was Jordan Lydon uh, being replaced by Ben Gladwin. I'm told that there was mild hysteria, Kel Surprise, pre-game, relating to the decision from Ben Garner to bench Leiden, who's been very good. The 2pm flap is becoming a big part of the matchday experience, isn't it? I don't think becoming is the right word, because I think it was definitely <laughs> part and parcel of the iFollow experience last year. Um, and yes. we, we probably are in this kind of weird thing where... We, we had weird selections from John Sheridan for so long that now even when selections are largely pretty good or at least make some kind of sense with the logic of uh, of Ben Garner's selections so far this season, um, there is still the kind of inclination to flap a little bit, um, which I, I have as well sometimes when I see a selection that, that I didn't, didn't expect. Uh, but I mean, I didn't see anything myself, not that I was like perusing social media at 2pm on, on, on Saturday because... Uh, I only had a very limited window to have a couple of beers before the game and uh, I was taking that window. Uh, So um, I didn't see anything myself. And I I guess the difficulty is there was so much about that performance on Tuesday that a lot of people would have wanted to have been different, that probably people would have wanted the team to be different, but in a different way. So probably Gladwin coming in wouldn't have been what most people would have suggested. Um, Leiden coming out, I don't think anyone would have suggested it, but it's one of those ones where you look at it and think, well, there must be a reason in terms of like load management or something. So I'm not, I can't go in on that too much. Uh, and then obviously the the main problem up on Tuesday night in Mansfield was probably the defence. So you you hope for there to be changes in the defence, but then with Critchlow going out um, on uh, on loan to Plymouth, so he's not there for us now. There was no real changes that could have been made there either. So I think probably it was a smart one if if he was just sort of taking Leiden out just to um, kind of make sure that we're going to have Leiden for more games going forward uh, rather than sort of risking him to injury or something like that. Uh, if you played too many minutes, then it's probably like even before the game, you would have been able to see it as the right thing. But it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, given that the results haven't been so great, I think any team selection, we would have probably flapped a little bit, wouldn't we? So there we go. Garner said during his press conference that one player was being assessed and so if one player is out or replaced it kind of you know I'm no mathematician but you know that might suggest that Leiden that was that person and so instead of going what why I don't believe it you might go oh well you know Garner did say that one was being assessed and maybe he's not quite you know 90 minute match fit I don't know 
I don't know, but it just seems to be a running theme. And I also, and we'll probably discuss a bit later, I also get the feeling that Ben Gladwin just has enough people that just whatever he does, they don't rate him. And therefore they see him ahead of Leiden and Flappy Flappington arrives again. Yeah, and you will get obviously the school of thought that if you're fit enough to be on the bench, you're fit enough to start. And, you know, Mm -hmm. in certain scenarios, uh, I'm fully behind that in in other ones I'm not so uh, yeah it's really a case-by-case basis and we don't have the information um to judge only the people in the club do and uh they can only make the decisions based on the information that they've got to hand Uh, and the other thing as well is um although we're kind of like listening to all of the tidbits before the game uh, from Ben Garner not everyone does so that there's a lot of things that can go on behind the scenes that although it's kind of information that's out there um it might not always be picked up up on by everyone. And like, I don't listen to uh, Ben Garner every week. I don't listen to his post-match every week. So you kind of, sometimes he'll have said something and then I'll, I'll find out about it later on from either this, the presser that you do um, or, or something like that. So um, potentially people didn't even hear something about one player being assessed and then it, it maybe is a little bit more surprising. So yeah, I, I think it's one of those things we, we kind of, we all go to football and uh, have our own opinions on it. Uh, and clearly, who's in the eleven is probably one of the most important things. Um, so I think that's probably like one of the best things to have an opinion on. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where regardless if it's going to be a positive or a negative thing, we're always going to be having discussions at 2pm about lineups. Ah, same as it ever was. OK, the game itself, and you were there, I was not. So this is where we very much... Look forward to your review. Listening from afar, though, this sounds like a pretty great performance from Swindon from beginning to end, bar a, a goal conceded. Before the goal went in to make it 1-0 Swindon, it seemed very much Swindon. Yeah, um, I think you could pretty much say that the whole first half, um, apart from their goal, which was kind of against the run of play, was pretty much all Swindon. Um, it's another one of those sort of classic first halves where we have had a lot of the play, but maybe not created a load of chances. So probably Williams's goal was the first like really, really clear cut chances before that. You know, there's a couple of like flashes where maybe you, you could take a shot or we could work the keeper slightly better. Um, but what we did have was a lot of play um, sort of in the midfield third and uh, like approach play near the box. And it was really just about working an, an opportunity and, Obviously, you have to take into account that Port Vale themselves are a good team. Uh, so we did that to like one of the better teams in the league. I think most people would probably say Port Vale are the best team that we've had down at the county ground this season so far. Um, so, yeah, the fact that we went up there and then completely dictated the game for the first sort of 20 minutes before we scored, obviously a great sign. But, yeah, no, I, I was not feeling particularly stressed in a defensive sense um, whenever, um, whenever we had the ball in that first 20 minutes. And... Uh, Really, I mean, the goal itself, I think when that went in, I kind of proclaimed that it it could be up there with some of our best goals of the season because it's so well worked. I mean, if you look at the whole move, it starts from a free kick, just like working patiently from side to side, some really nice passes, like with a little bit of incision and eventually it's put on a plate for, for Williams, really. I mean, it's still a good finish, but he, he couldn't have asked for a better chance to score. So, yeah, if you're... It's it's a good finish on top of a brilliant team move. Like that's the kind of goal that I want to see us scoring and uh, really really good moment. Yep, it's a delightful team move. Patient throughout, and they even play it backwards a couple of times <laughs> before Harry McCurdy's through ball finds Johnny Williams, and it really really good. See, and it's frustrating, isn't it? Those goals are never goal of the season contenders in in my mind. They always go for this sort of thirty yard exercise, don't they? But that's the stuff they're practicing day in day out, isn't it? Well, and that's the kind of thing that you look at that period of play and that's the vindication for Ghana wanting to play in a certain way. So obviously a lot of the discussion in the week before was about plan A and plan B. And I, I think it's a kind of, it's a difficult debate to have because who, like, how are we deciding what's plan A and what's plan B? Not in terms of like, like are, are people thinking the plan should be like very very different or is it just kind of variations on a theme within like some kind of framework so i i mean that's a lot of jargon that makes probably no sense uh but it, it it's uh it's hard to kind of be talking about 
different plans in the same way. But obviously what we know that Ghana wants to do is to get players passing to each other and combining well. And in that build-up, in that goal, there's a, a number of things that he will be, like like you say, working on on the training ground to make that happen. So for him as a manager, probably watching that kind of goal will be so much more satisfying than uh, spanking one in from 30 yards into the top <laughs> corner, which obviously, as a fan for both of them, it gets you out of your seat because everyone there was aware that we'd had the ball for like, what, 15, 20 passes um, in the build-up. Um, and just, yeah, just, just the fact that you can kind of see things building makes it so much better. But yeah, I mean, I'll take any kind of goal. But uh, yeah, that, that, I think those are usually my favourite. And it, it, yeah, I, I, it reminded me kind of like the there was a goal at Crawley um, under Wellens in that in, in the away game that season um, that was just brilliant build-up play from front to back. And uh, yeah, that was kind of was reminiscent. And yeah, it's, it's what we're set up to do. So when we do it, uh, it feels good. <laughs> yes. Okay. Can can we talk about this pitch that? Port Vale have and a lot of people have highlighted it did we benefit from their big pitch I think it was a slightly smaller pitch to what it used to be according to a lot of the people uh that have been there I mean it's the first time I've been but from people that have been there before uh, I think it it seems to have been taken in a bit they've obviously seemed to have redeveloped the ground at some point um a lot of people were remarking on oh they've put seats in there I was like where I can just see seats Uh, so um I mean, obviously, it is a big pitch, and yeah, I think it, it's one of those things where I think the size of pitch can suit any team as long as they play to those conditions. So, if you're a passing team, it can give you a bit of extra space. If you're a team that want to play long, then it gives you more space to play the ball into, I guess, to, to hold it up. So, um, yeah, as long as you play the conditions that you're dealt well, then it, it's going to work out well, isn't it? I guess it's, it's not like wind where probably you're, there's only like a certain few ways that you can play it. Like I think there's any way you can play it. And um, yeah, I mean, whatever it was, the the conditions we were dealt with on Saturday, we played exceptionally well. Yeah. Unfortunately, there was an equaliser and it kind of surprised me really (laughs) because it seemed all Swindon. And then six minutes later, it's a nice finish by Kean Harrett. Don't get me wrong, but town will be disappointed by the space they gave him to, to score that. But the ball does move quite weirdly in the air, I think, but lots of backing off and just giving him the space to uh, put that effort in. Yeah, I mean, I think the space is caused by the fact that we've got the ball at the back. I think it's O'Brien passes out. Um, so everyone's kind of pushing up and then they just kind of catch us in the, in transition and uh, get the ball straight forward. So it looks like the midfield is absolutely nowhere to be seen, but I think that's because the midfield, once O'Brien plays the ball out, push up. And that's where Reed, because he's pushing out, just kind of, slightly isn't able to get the tackle in it gets forward and you know Harris still left with a lot to do once he gets the ball um I think he just kind of curls it rounded round the defender and and in so um yeah in real time I was I was really annoyed then I kind of see it back and I'm like well really there's not much we can do other than like just not giving the ball away um to to prevent that kind of thing because once they've got the ball back they basically there's not really any point that we could have prevented that um but yeah, it does. It doesn't look great to look to, to watch it back, but then at the same time, it's a great finish. Uh, so now that we've we've won the game, we can just appreciate it for it, it being a very good goal. Um, and it, it it lifted off the atmosphere in Vale Park quite nicely because until that point, you probably wouldn't know that the home fans were there, uh, but they were really enjoying themselves <laughs> after that. Ah, oh, there's a dig. Probably helped by. Well, I mean. I assume there was some McCurdy-related spice there, but he really didn't play that much for Port Vale, did he? And I know Carlisle have more beef with him. Were they on him? Uh, yeah, they were, um, as you're going to be with a former player, right? I mean, it, we were on Chris Hussey. I mean, not not me specifically, because I, I actually don't have any strong opinions about him. Uh, but <laughs> no. like the Swindon end was probably giving Chris Hussey more than the Port Vale end were giving um, Harry McCurdy, at least early on. Once Harry McCurdy became kind of the game's protagonist um, in many ways, probably got a little bit more. But yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where, yeah, you, you look at a, a former player and you know probably from their perspective, he's been at the club for, um, for however long and uh, not done too much. So he's not a particularly popular figure anyway. Um, and then he's sort of out there in the, the shirt of your opposition and uh, it's not great, but um, I don't think he got 
as much as I was maybe expecting. I don't know. I just didn't really know much about um, the context of McCurdy at Port Vale, but talking to a couple of their fans on the way up to the ground, like, yeah, they didn't have any strong opinion on him either. So, yeah, it just sounds like one of those things where former player goes back to club. He's not massively popular for whatever reason. And, uh, of course, you're going <laughs> to try and wind him up. <laughs> How did we react to Port Vale equalising? Was it just very much back into control or did we have any wobble? How did we react to it? It was just back into what we were doing. I mean, like, it, like they, they reacted well to the setback, I think. Like, the way that we were playing... We probably had a few more clear-cut chances after the goal, more than we did probably before that. So we probably would have deserved the lead at half-time and just couldn't quite get it until, obviously, right before half-time. Um, but, yeah, no, it was it was a weird one where for pretty much the entire half, like Port Vale, we didn't really have them bearing down on goal at all. I think there was like one more time when they got in, got into the box. But, you know, Ward had one save to make and it was obviously their goal and it was not, not, not an easy save to make. Uh, in that first half so really in a defensive sense huge huge improvement from Mansfield on Tuesday and in an attacking sense we were working the openings it's really patient um and um yeah I guess we should talk about the goal oh let's get to injury time in the first half then so <laughs> Port Vale goalkeeper Lucas Kovalan easily collects a long ball but <laughs> decided to give Harry McCurdy a bit of a kick um, along the way. The incident, for those who were watching it from afar, was was clear as day, probably helped by the fact the incident not only was not in a packed box like these sort of things are, Harry McCurdy didn't also clatter into the prison. He was sort of backing off, so it just made it so, so clear. A hilariously stupid act from the Vale keeper, but there was a lot of indec- indecision for this, wasn't there? Because the Vale fans, I and mean, you'll explain it far better than me, but I think the Vale fans thought that was the end for McCurdy. And I think those in the Swindon end probably felt the same at that point, given what normally happens. Yeah, I mean, so to put into context, it happens at the complete opposite end of the ground to where the Swindon fans are housed. So you kind of see Eindler's clip ball in, you see McCurdy go up for the ball. Um, so you in real time, I thought, oh, well, clearly the goalkeeper's not that far out then because there's no way that McCurdy's going up for that ball against the goalkeeper. Uh, then you see the two come together and you're like, well, like in pretty much every other scenario where I've seen someone go up against the goalkeeper under a high ball, the goalkeepers get so much protection from referees that like either they're just going to let it go or it's going to be a foul if there's any contact at all from the attacker to the goalkeeper. So it's a really weird one. And like, although it's not through bodies for the referee and for the linesman, it is through bodies for us because we've obviously got the goal in the way. We've got all of our players, we've got all of their players and that then uh, McCurdy and Kovaland coming together. So you can't really see exactly what's happened. Um, It's probably one of those where, you know, looking at it, it's not McCurdy's ball to go for, if that makes sense. Like, you, d- you don't see that happen very much. So you, we, we see that happen. Kovalan's rolling around and you think, <laughs> you're being a... You, McCurdy, you're a silly little boy. Like, what have you done? You little, you little <laughs> scum. Uh, uh. Um, so the, the referee reaches his hand to his pocket and we're like, oh no, McCurdy's off here. Uh, then he decides to speak to the, the linesman and we're like, oh, well... He wouldn't speak to the linesman unless he's considering a red. Uh, so what's happening? And we're all just saying, like, what, why is he gone for that ball? Why is he gone for that ball? Uh, and then um, the referees finished. Like all of this, all of the town players at this point are surrounding the the referee and the linesman. Re- referee sends them away. So so I'm thinking they're pleading his case. Like he, oh, he's just gone up for the ball, uh, and it's just a collision. Um, Kovalan's still down I think getting treatment at this point uh, referee goes over and yeah just like all of a sudden you see a red card that card come out I'm lo- head in my hands and then the first thing I saw when I'm looking up is McCurdy celebrating uh, and I was like <laughs> is he th- this like deep into his cover as a, as a Port Vale agent that uh, he's starting to celebrate getting a red card and then ov- obviously it's the, the the goalkeeper's been sent off. And you're like, that is a hilarious mistake. How two officials come to this kind of traction? So obviously, in the madness, I, I post a second tweet that I had to delete of the day. Uh, <laughs> um, 
because because it just like I mean honestly between the Port Vale fans immediately shouting off 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 and that's like the whole stand all of them having a better view than us um, and yeah. nobody in our end shouting that uh, everyone kind of head in hands like nervously watching what's going to happen I'm like there is no way that McCurdy's not fouled the keeper there and then yeah I was sent a, an event <laughs> I sent a video of it because uh, thankfully uh, it's it's straight up that up and out there and I'm like oh, wow that is a really terrible opinion of me to, to have thought that that was not a red card because clearly he's kung fu kicked him um but yeah it, it, it's one of those where honestly watching it on tv makes it much easier to see what's happened um and fair play to the referees because it took me a couple of watches of that kind of replay to be like oh yeah no they have clearly got that right so yeah I'm glad they took the time to kind of discuss it um weirdest weirdest moment because because obviously but when the goal goes in when Gladwin scores the penalty we're we're still at that point thinking the referees dropped a huge clangor here um I don't know how we're two and up but we are it's brilliant um but yeah as as I kind of watched it more and more at half time I was like okay you, you have to give the red card there so it's the right decision and uh yeah, we're, we're delighted. I found it a deeply spiritual moment in football <laughs> history because Kovalan, you know, the two physios are unable to sort that shoulder or arm injury out. And and remarkably, Andy Haynes puts out a red card and he's cured. He, he, his arms are working just fine as he, as he shows his... Uh, surprise of being sent off it's a miracle so you're expecting the referee to be brought into the cannon uh, after that <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah no it, it is funny and the way that he reacts because like obviously he sees the red card and then there's that split second where he just doesn't register it's for him and then he's like his head, hands are straight up on his head and two physios stand there statically almost with the expression of what well, this has been a giant waste of time hasn't it yeah exactly i mean I guess he's had an interesting year because obviously he scored that goal for Torquay in the playoffs. They then lost on penalties, but I think he scored a penalty in the shootout. Uh, and uh, yeah, there was, uh, I believe he's already been sent off this season as well for Port Vale and that was his second one. So he, I think it was his third, wasn't it? I might, yeah. I mean, that sounds even more likely. Oof, that, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was talking to a mate who's a Torquay fan and apparently he spent a lot of his, his time down there pretending to be injured. So like, as in during games. So um yeah, seems like he's a bit of a character, uh, and uh, yeah, he, he definitely like massively cost Port Vale uh, there because at one all, I mean, obviously they hadn't been good, but you would think that having been so poor, they would have to change something at halftime. I think, I think Daryl Clark in the in this in his post match interview said essentially I was going to make a, a load of changes at halftime, and I couldn't do it because the goalkeeper has been sent off. Uh, and uh, obviously, I think James Wilson was taken off for him. So he's like the, the danger man we're all worried about. And then he's off all of a sudden. So um, it, it couldn't have ended better because we're 2 1 up. They've got 10 men. They've got their backup goalkeeper on um, and uh, have taken off sort of the danger man. Uh, and yeah, we, we knew that they were just going to kind of try and get through towards the end of the game and nick something at the end. Uh, so all we had to do was be patient and uh, try and get another one. And uh, it's exactly how it panned out. Ben Gladwin stepped up to score the penalty pass sub goalkeeper Aidan Stone. And something that interested me there, because a lot of the sentiment post-game has been that we would have won that game 11 players or 10. It didn't matter. But Swindon fans did what a lot of football fans do and kind of, we win a game and then they go, well, 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 where are the pessimists now, eh? But their goalkeeper got sent off. They lost their 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 main man i know you know he might not be as prolific as 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 others but he's still a hugely highly thought of player to lose at halftime on top of that and it derailed daryl clark's halftime plan so it has to come into play doesn't it yeah and like i said we in the first half if you if you take the first half as like the contest between the two teams we played them off the park, but it would have been one all without the the red card incident because it, it, if he doesn't kick out at McCurdy, there's nothing there that would have like uh, essentially if he didn't kick out at McCurdy, he's probably going to just uh, get a foul and probably McCurdy's got a yellow there, um, even though he's not really done anything wrong. Um, so 
that that completely changed the game. But obviously, like if you're going to say based on like when we were playing eleven v eleven, like of course we were the much better team and uh, we should have been ahead, but we just couldn't quite finish any of the chances that came our way after their goal before our second goal. Um, the the second half's not a contest, so it's, it's hard to really judge based on that. Like 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 you say, like they would have changed stuff at half time. Um, so it it would have been a very different contest, but. We obviously don't know like how we would have reacted to that. Like exactly. So like we if we'd have played as good in the second half as we would have done as we did in the first half, I, I don't know if Port Vale could have changed that much to have done that much damage to us because we were so controlled. Um and like the the all of our midfield were playing so well that it would have been very, very hard for them to make changes that, that weren't good. So I think ultimately it's one of those games where you can kind of read into it whatever you want. Um, you, like you can use it in the way that I have to be like, this is the most controlled that we've been probably since Forest Green. Like it's been a full three months since we've kind of had that level of comfort in a game. Um, or you can say, you know, basically an aberration <laughs> of a decision from the goalkeeper of Port Vale has kind of led to us just having like a huge, huge advantage in the game that we obviously had to still like take advantage of but um like it, it was a, a gift that we're probably not going to get next week against Bristol Rovers I mean I'd love it if we did that'd be brilliant but um yeah it, it I think it's 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 just yeah it, it's, it's hard to 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 really really say and uh, yeah I think basically you look at Mansfield on Tuesday you look at Port Vale on Saturday and I think then they're not two games together that go well in kind of creating a narrative either way, in a positive or a negative sense. I think they're, they're two games that happened and showed in against Mansfield some of our negatives, um, in both games some of our positives, um, and yeah, obviously in the in the Port Vale game as well, um, some of the division's negatives. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not drawing any huge conclusions from, from the whole week as a whole, I don't think. It up. There's a man on him quickly, so he just lays this off towards Reed. Reed to Gladwin. Gladwin trying to eye what the best ball is. Gets a one-two from McCurdy. I thought he was going to. McCurdy wins it. Hunt on the edge of the box. Gladwin just outside the penalty area. Vale with lots of men back. Uh, you will hear boos for McCurdy every every time here. Gladwin finds McCurdy again. Brilliant ball into Johnny Williams, and Williams scores. Beautiful move from Swindon to put them in front. Gladwin McCurdy and Williams with a neat finish. A few bits that Ben Garner mentioned in his post-match. So, obviously, he said everything was better than Tuesday. We moved the ball fantastically well in the first half. But the reason why I wanted to just highlight this bit now instead of just waiting until after the game was he said we didn't play with the same purpose in the second half. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah, no, I probably would. But I like I, I was saying on the way back that I don't think there's any need to. I mean, I think 2-1 against 10 men, their reserve goalkeepers in goal and they've lost their danger man like we kind of alluded to before. Like all you have to do is just keep con- keep the control um, so that you don't concede a stupid equaliser um, and just keep working and opening because like the way that we play as well, like if you kind of, like, what, what we're trying to do is just get a man over and, uh, and and see what happens. And it's much easier to do that when you actually already have an extra man on the pitch. Uh, so I was just thinking like, keep the ball and, and eventually the openings will come and we, we've got playmakers that are able to, to put a, a pass through the eye of the needle anyway. So that, that won't be the difficulty. It's just like making sure that we don't make any silly mistakes at the back. So that was obviously the priority for the players, even if that's not what they've been sent out to do. And uh, yeah, we just kept things ticking over until such a point as Vale somehow allow a clearance to like just go through the centre. And like, obviously McCurdy's running through, but that's like a, a meat and drink kind of defensive header for a <laughs> centre-back. But like somehow he's just like literally from a defensive clearance in on goal. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, although probably they could have played to the levels that we did in in the first half and then run out 5-6-1. Um, it's probably more sensible to um, play the way that we did, which was like relatively conserv- conservative, stay, keep things in the tank, just stay in second gear and uh, just wait for the opening when it comes up because it will come up and it did. 
Yeah, and there's absolutely no need to risk players. We all know Ben Garner wants to win every game, but the Bristol Rovers won. There's there's an emotional attachment to that, given how his his career there went. So he doesn't want to go, guys, let's beat Port Vale 6-1 at the risk of losing one of those key midfielders or getting someone sent off because they've you know gone in rash, whatever. So I completely get that, absolutely. As you, as you said, Town finished the game off in the 69th minute. And i got to be honest, just the nonchalance of the clearance. I think it was Jake O'Brien um, who yeah. cleared it. And it's the most half-hearted clearance. And yet it still finds its way to the centre circle. It's just <laughs> like, like, I mean, for me to kick it like that, I would have to put everything into it. But, you know, I'm, I'm a shameful, shameful footballer. But anyway, finds Harry McCurdy, who's mad dash towards their goal, ends with an attempted cross and it's deflected in via Nathan Smith. And Harry McCurdy really wanted that moment, didn't he? Sure, he didn't get the goal, but he got the opportunity to celebrate. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it, it was clearly exactly what the team were trying to do as well, because there are a number of times where we did just kind of run in, but we just weren't able to get towards goal. Um, and obviously, because of the presence of the Port Vale defender, he kind of ends up having to go wide. Like he would have ideally just wanted to run straight down the centre and he would have been been in on goal and able to shoot. But um, it's dragged wide. I think it's a cross. I'm not, I, I really can't tell, but I think it's a cross uh, towards Tyree Simpson, who was like occupying two men at once, um, sort of at that point. Uh, and yeah, just a really unlucky defect. I mean, it's a really jammy goal um, for, for, from our perspective in the way that the build up happened and also the finish. Um, but yeah, those are the ones that I really enjoy. Uh, and uh, yeah, great scenes at the end, at that point. I think McCurdy running straight into the, into the crowd. That's what he wanted uh, from the afternoon. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he took about seven or eight shots um, all in all. Uh, so, yeah, he was he was really working hard for his moment and, and he got it. So, um, absolutely fair play. Uh, I, I, if you count uh, that and uh, being fouled for a penalty as an assist, like, he was got three. So, uh, yeah, fair play. I think, I think a lot of people would probably just give one because I don't know, like, what stat providers... Uh, I mean, they all differ on what an assist is, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, in any way you cut it, he was crucial in all three goals uh, and uh, carrying on. McCurduary, as I've decided to call it. Oh, yes, with your titles of episodes. <laughs> McCurduary, it is quite a month for him. And, you know, we sort of laugh about the way he is and we also sort of deride him um, before January for certain bits and pieces. That's his fifth game in a row where he hasn't been booked. So progress, definitely there. This is his month and um, long May McCurduary go throughout the whole of the season. It could be Kudarch for all I care. I don't know. <laughs> McCurdarch. Well, March Curdy. There we go. We'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we, can, we can workshop every single month of the year after this. We, we don't have to do this on air. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it's been a great month for him so far. I mean, 16 days into 2022, he's on what? Six goals and if you count, those as, as assists, free assists. So um, he he's he's really stepped up to the plate and been our key player this year. Um, and obviously that's what we want to do. And that's why he's, he's got a contract um, extension with us because he's someone we want to have around. And uh, yeah, I mean, the the way that he just kind of is able to grab the narrative, um, I think at, like when we were going into that Rovers game uh, in October, um, like the, the narrative at that point was like, oh, he's not really not really been playing. Like, should he really be around the team? Um, and he completely grabbed the opportunity there and uh, hasn't really looked back. Then there's a kind of uh, kind of like a, a slump in form and people getting frustrated with the bookings. And yeah, a lot of maturity not to get booked in a while and uh, just to kind of really stem the tide and really become um, really important for us again. So uh, long may that continue. And there's no way that he is top of the priorities when it comes to contract extensions up until a matter of weeks ago. And, you know, fair play to him because it's been a hell of an effort for him. And even though the goals haven't been there, there's been plenty of endeavour, some of it frustrating, but but he's he's fully earned it. And he has my full support until it all goes horribly wrong in (laughs) certain amount of time but um no I, I don't need to go down that road it is long may this form continue and is, is there anything else of note in in this game or, or should we go to the post-match um 
I would like to mention Tyree Simpson's attempted lob, which I thought was in until it just bounced wide. Um, but yeah, very reminiscent. I, I know he tried the exact same kind of thing early on against Salford at the start of the season. Uh, nearly came off again. Uh, didn't quite, but he would have deserved that. I mean, he was brilliant again. Um, it's probably one of those things where I find it hard to be objective about Tyree Simpson because I'm such a big fan and I feel like I've staked my uh, <laughs> any kind of... Uh, I don't know, credibility that I have as a football fan uh, on him being good for Swindon uh, early on in the season. Uh, and it, it, it's kind of worked out. But I feel like you, you, a lot of the times you have these like kind of preconceived ideas of players and you then read that into how they play. But using my preconceived ideas of Tyler Simpson, uh, Tyree Simpson, um, I thought he was brilliant, uh, like holding the ball up pretty well. We didn't quite get him to run the channels quite as much as we want him to do and that's that seems to be sort of where he's actually really really brilliant it's just kind of getting in down the side and shooting didn't quite have the the opportunities to do that but he was he was occupying their entire defense all at once and it's no surprise that if he does that for 70 minutes then eventually McCurdy's able to run through like a knife through butter uh so um yeah I'd have to mention him um at this point because uh I think there's uh quite an obvious choice when we get to man of the match uh who 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 wasn't Tyree Simpson so well, hold your horses. So more bits and pieces from Ben Garner uh, after the game. He said that Gladwin was fantastic today. Gladwin is a fantastic player and a great guy, an important person in the changing room. Disappointed to concede the goal as we'd been in control. As I said, their first half, brilliant. More patience around the box, probed, and it was a brilliant goal. Praised the decision to send Kovalan off. Defended pretty well. Uh, changed our shape as they changed theirs. He looks back at the Northampton at home, Mansfield away and Port Vale away. And he says six points is a good return and we need more and we need to push on. And those final points is what I want to dwell on here because he's absolutely right, isn't he? Yeah, all this is is a platform um, to um, keep doing that week in, week out. We've got a few nicer fixtures than what we've had for the start of this year so far. I mean, we're not playing Man City or a team of that stature again. Um, so, it, yeah, like, we need to play like that in every game. Hopefully we will, because, like, if you can do it once, you can do it again, right? So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a, the kind of win that we want to see as the blueprint for how we go about things in the next few weeks. Um, the next two weeks are going to be really important, because, like, if we, if we can win our remaining couple of games in January and get a few good players in then you're set up for a real good crack at the automatics if the rest of this month doesn't go quite so well then maybe we're going to have to be thinking more about the playoffs um, as our route into league one if that's if that's what we're trying to do this season but uh, I mean obviously in Dion Conroy's post-match he was quite clear that, that we're aiming for automatics so um, yeah I, I think it, it's one of those things where having watched that that's like the best I've seen us play in a while um, hopefully we carry that into our next game, which is a big one. Yeah, and in terms of Port Vale's post-match, which we, we don't normally care about what the opposition have to say, but I kind of like the fact that Daryl Clark didn't question the sending off and he was very much more of the fact that, oh, man, we've been waiting so long for that fixture and it did not go to plan for us without highlighting, you know, injustices which for which there were none. Um, of course, he did label his side's return to League 2 football as a damp squid, <laughs> which is a classic error. I'm sure we've all done it at some point. It's just at what age do you realise it's not a squid? And also their social media who uh, did that sort of Narky, no idea why he's been sent off, but that's life. And they even retracted it, which must be quite conflicting for their fans who were willing to die on the hill of, of Coverland not doing anything wrong. But all parts of Port Vale seem to be quite understanding of the fact that their goalkeeper had made a right numpty of himself yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I think when someone makes such a huge idiotic decision, um, it's quite easy to kind of put away the tribalism because like, you can't really, you can't, like, I'm sure there weren't Man United fans when Cantona did his Kung Fu kick and <laughs> supporting the crowd saying like, you know. Got it, provoked. Well, I mean, but like, they're not saying like, oh, it's a great tackle or something like that, are they? So it's, it, I think it's one of the, it, it like, it, you don't have to be like, oh, the team is terrible just because that's happened. Like, it, it's probably, it's the sort of thing where, you can just kind of you can you can take it because that kind of thing does happen. It's really frustrating to see, but it's not like uh, you can't you can't paint it as like a conspiracy. Uh, yeah, I, f I think they've been like 
since since the game broadly like pretty um sanguine in defeat and that's what, what you have to be that's what I try and be when Swindon lose as well um so yeah I think it's one of those ones I'm I, I'm gonna give Port Vale's media team the benefit of the doubt because I'm, I'm sure they didn't see it back when they put that tweet out and uh no, if, not if, if they saw it in the same way I saw it then you're gonna be absolutely outraged aren't you uh, as a Port Vale fan but yeah that's it for them I guess the first league fixture in, in five weeks it, it probably is not a fixture they would have liked to have come in with without much match preparation and that kind of thing um but yeah, I, I think it, it's the sort of defeat from their side that you would just kind of take of, with good nature and be like, well, the, there's another game next week. Um, and uh, yeah, kind of like we had to do with Mansfield, like, you know, we, we weren't brilliant. Uh, maybe we need to change a few things. And we probably did change a few things uh, ahead of, of this game. I mean, I, I would note that like Lewis Ward's kicking, for example, was over a much larger distance than um, it was against Mansfield or Man City. Like we, we still played out from the back by and large, but if he was in a position where he was being challenged, he would just kick the ball. And that that's probably, I guess that counts as a plan B, maybe. Like that could be part of the terms of debate of, of what a plan A and a plan B is. Uh, and yeah, just it just allowed us to not play, not allow them to play to his weaknesses and us to just play to his strengths, which is like obviously shot stopping. And uh, he has got a big kick and a huge throw. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, they, they, they obviously took some some points from that and uh we just we just looked slightly better and that's that's what you can hope for it certainly is okay some listeners contributions now thank you to all those who sent stuff in starting with mr jason he says excellent performance from all sloppy goal to give away but nevertheless regrouped and continued the dominance paul temple says no improvement on defending shots on target with a uh, with a laughter emoji Great front foot performance with Gladwin and Williams conducting matters ably supported by the immaculate Louis Reed. And base master Rich says much better than Tuesday. No silly mistakes at the back. Controlled the ball and created chances. Nick STFC says huge result, especially missing Payne, Wallacott and giving Leiden a bit of a rest. Ariba says dominant today and their goal flattered them. Williams man of the match for me. Gladwin and McCurdy also top performers. We'll get to that in just a moment. Stephen P says imposed our game on them early and other than the spell when they scored, they were rarely competing. Williams is a class above and is his man of the match. Works so well with Reed and I Andalo. Harry says Johnny Williams was all over the pitch today. Conroy and Gladwin have been taking some pelters recently, but thought they both didn't put a foot wrong. MTH says McCurdy was man of the match, heavily involved in all three goals, and Vale's whole game plan was to just try and leave one on him. Without McCurdy, we'd be a lower mid-table team, and he's literally involved in all our goals. Dean says, absolutely brilliant. Plan A seems to be okay to me. One point off third with key players missing. Max says, great performance, fully in control for the majority, some great passing play and a great win. Odomeo for man of the match. And then it, it goes on from there and time isn't on our side. So I won't read every single message out, but thank you to those who did. And I've even trimmed out the man of the match suggestion from those some of those tweets. Now, when I was clocking up every week, I clock up the man of the match just by doing a tally. And usually about seven or eight players get a nomination and there's somebody who just wins it just you know absolutely runs away with it this week it was a three horse race without a doubt between Ben Gladwin Harry McCurdy and Johnny Williams they were all I had I counted well over 15 each and I think maybe Gladwin was one ahead when I decided you know what Let's just put a poll up on on Twitter and see what happens. Got over 400 responses to this and the man of the match from listeners and people that interact with the low strangers on Twitter is Ben Gladwin, who got 48% of the votes. So quite comprehensive there. Harry McCurdy with 33% and Johnny Williams with 19%. Three fantastic performances. But I did know a little bit of resistance from people to acknowledge Ben Gladwin for his performance. Why do you think that was? I think... It's a really weird one, isn't it? Because I look at my own opinion of Ben Gladwin and I, at the start of the season, was not a fan of the idea of bringing him back in. Like, 
I, I kind of probably regarded it as like a little bit of nostalgia in terms of bringing back a player that people liked in previous spells. Um, probably most notably like the permanent spell. Like I don't think the loans worked out too much and that probably coloured part of my opinion there on that. Um, but I, I think because we're so familiar with how he's been playing, I mean, obviously like most of us would have seen him play like what, nine, eight, seven years ago. Um, like we're obviously aware of like a lot of his strengths and weaknesses um, and then because he's been injured for a lot of his career since leaving us, uh, we haven't seen a lot of him since. So um, I, the, what I was thinking is like, you know, you, you're bringing in quite a selfish player who doesn't work too hard um, and, you know, obviously is very injury prone. What we've got is a very different player, I think, uh, in terms of... <laughs> Like it, even taking yesterday as an example, there were loads of times where, like, I was thinking shoot, and I, I very rarely would be the sort of person that's like shoot uh, when when that happens. Um, and he he was looking for uh, the better option with a pass. Um, I think th- there is the work rate there, and it's it's kind of the fact that he's kind of a bit languid in his running style is probably what makes him look like he's not working that hard. Uh, and um, Obviously, we've been able to get quite a lot of games out of him just by like rotating him with Williams. So, it, it f- from my eyes, it's worked out brilliantly. But obviously, if you have, I think a lot of people have had preconceived notions whether that's he was so brilliant before, and then maybe the, he's not quite reached the heights from that we saw from him before that um, people wanted, um, or. Um, having the kind of negative view of him that I had before and then maybe not seeing enough to change their mind. And like I said with Tyree Simpson, like I, having the the positive opinion of him that I do, like probably I, it, anything that's kind of 50-50, I'll probably then weigh in on the, the positive side with him. Um, and I'm sure if you have a negative view of Ben Gladwin, then anything that's 50-50 with Ben Gladwin, like anytime he give the, gives the ball away, that's like yet further evidence to um, to why he's, he's, he's so poor and all that kind of thing. And, I think I saw a tweet. I don't know who it's from, uh, but someone shared it with me at some point uh, where like part of the problem we have with like football discussion at the moment is that nothing's just like just slightly bad or like not a great performance or someone's not had their best game. But it's quite often, you know, I was right that X player is awful and no one listened to me and all that kind of thing. Uh, and it's it's such a good point because I think at some point we have we have these agendas about players, whether they're positive or negative, um, and it makes it hard to just kind of extricate that in in ninety minutes was their performance good or was it bad? Because we're trying to we're kind of trying to fit into our narrative or our view of the world, and um, yeah, I would like to think with Ben Gladwin I'm not biased because, like I said, I've completely changed my opinion. I think he's been one of our better players this season. I've, I've, he he's come up big for us in in, in different moments. Scored some very uh, scored a couple of good goals. Scored some important goals as well. Um, every goal that he scored for us um, has put us on course um, to to three points. Uh, other than the Rochdale one, which wouldn't have put us on the course, would have put us on the course to not winning, I guess, because because Rochdale went on and and did well. But all of his goals away from home have been, I guess, the the two one in a three one victory. Like that's crucial. So um, yeah, may, there there have been moments where he's not been quite at it, but. Yeah, I, I, I find it weird to to have a player that's so good and is playing well um, to be so underappreciated by our fan base. Uh, but um, obviously, the, the cliche is football is a game of opinions. Uh, I I find that that phrase really annoying sometimes. But um, obviously, that is true. Like people will watch the same thing and will come to different outcomes, and that's just based on how they think football should be played and what they've seen before. Uh, so yeah, in in my opinion, he's been very good this season. Obviously, we know that he can go up a level still. Um, we've we've seen him play better at at, at certain points, but um, yeah, if he put in a performance like he did against Port Vale every week, then uh, it would be very very hard to have those negative uh, kind of narratives around him. What made him so good against Port Vale? Because as been highlighted, you know, Williams was Williams. You know, far too good for this level and then you've got McCurdy who had a part to play in all the goals and he had the drama of having the home fans sort of be triggered by him what did Gladwin do that was that was 
so impressive to the point that he was, you know, he took almost half of the votes in a, in a 400. I know that doesn't speak for the whole fan base, but enough to say it's just not the low strangers podders being like contrary to give Gladwin man of the match. I would say that he dictated the game. I mean, I think you look at like, obviously you look at the way that Williams plays, he dictates the game in a way, but it will be through like ball carries and getting, picking up fouls and all of that kind of thing. Um, which, um, obviously does work. He scored a brilliant goal. Uh, but in terms of the way that Gladwin was doing, it was like cross yard, cross, cross field passes that were like just landing straight on the boot. Um, it was like short, like give and goes that were kind of setting Rob Hunt to go down the outside or at combinations with Harry McCurdy. Um, it was l- like in that partnership with Reed and Williams in the, in the center of midfield, it was completely overrunning that Port Vale midfield. Like they didn't know what to do about our midfield. And obviously that's, that's partly a team thing. Reed was very good. Williams was very good. Um, but like it's one of those things where I was I was looking up and every every decision that Ben Gladwin made on the ball was a good one in the first half. It was like it, it it's it's probably hard to to quantify, but like even if if you look at the ten seconds before our first goal, he plays two absolutely incredible passes in in the build up to that goal. I mean, two like the outside of Ben Gladwin's right boot is probably better uh, than the many of the other areas of everyone else's boots. Um, like in terms of just finding a good pass. So it's really hard to say. It's, I guess it's like if you make a hundred very small good decisions versus less very good decisions, it's hard to like decide what one's better and one's not. I mean, like obviously it's, it's up for debate who the man of the match is. For me, it's clearly Gladwin because I think like if you take him out of the team, our, our team performance is drastically different. Um but yeah, I mean, obviously, like if you have free involvements in free goals, if you have an involvement in free goals, then you're obviously always going to be in the discussion. But it, yeah, I'm finding it hard to ex- articulate myself, Rich. But I, I, I just think it's if if you like if you take Gladwin out of that performance, it's not as good because he was he was at the center of everything good that we did. Lovingly put, right at the end there, and and throughout, frankly, Connor, don't put yourself <laughs> down. Um, so it's a it's a it's a double for Gladwin isn't it so man of the match from listeners and man of the match from the pod well done to him and there we go another three points we might be staying up as things stand we move <laughs> on to a week of derbies so next week we have Bristol Rovers at home but before then there's the small matter of the literally small matter of the <laughs> Wiltshire Premier Shield quarterfinal at Westbury United apparently called the Gooding Accounts Ground instead of Meadow Lane which mortifies me because that's where that's where I used to go when I was younger if you want to go to the game on Tuesday night 7 45 kickoff adults six pounds concessions four pounds under 16s one pound arm forces go free do you know what Connor I think I'm gonna go to this and I think we're even gonna pod it see what those under 18s are like and if Manny Idem doesn't play I'm on the pitch surely if he does play you're on the pitch shall I shall I take a Manny Idem can I have your shirt please oh please please do that that would be so good I would I'd be massively in favor of that (laughs) I'm not sure many of the fringe players will play because I know Ben Garner is, is quite particular with the way his players train and prep so I think this is going to be an under 18s heavy we'd love to see a bit of Dabre and Aguilar but we'll see how that goes but considering our goalkeeper situation it'd be absolutely crazy if uh if Idem doesn't play but I'm looking forward to getting a cold in the old hometown yeah no I, I wish I could be there it looks unlikely at this point but uh yeah it'd be uh it'd be a a good occasion uh and uh hopefully we can progress to the next round silverware not too many games away if if we play our cards right. I can talk several times in the pod's history about Swindon Town and and football in West Wiltshire and the fans of West Wiltshire without going, (laughs) even though I'm not based in West Wiltshire anymore, but I'll be taking that 40-minute train from Bristol, I'm more than sure. So I'm really looking forward to it, looking forward to seeing how the under-18s are doing, and and I will pod the hell out of it. As you should. As I should. Hey, Connor, I think that'll do us very, very nicely. Thank you very much. Thank you. (laughs) 
Hello Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.